as Dave Roberts would say, wait, was I supposed to say that? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another installment of Championship or Bust with Max, Zach, and Josh. We are chock full of current events today, which is everything that we want to talk about. But first, let's go to the real talking point of the offseason, the 1918 World Series between the Chicago Cubs and the Boston Red Sox. So now that we're in 1918, we obviously are starting to get into a very historical time period, and I'm not going to waste too much time. I'm going to turn it right over to Zach to kind of discuss that. State of the league. State of the league. Very exciting time here. First state of the league topic. Welcome, welcome. Um, I'm just going to give a brief spiel about how World War One impacted uh, the 1918 baseball season. It actually didn't really impact 1917 at all whatsoever. First off, Major League Baseball supported the war effort by hosting lots of charity events, you know, opening stadiums for those type of things, um, bond drives, and holding open practices for spectators. Um, just fun fact, Christy Matheson was said to have sold over $100,000 in war bonds in a single day, which is just absurd, especially back in that day. Are absolutely crazy. But in 1918, a lot of different industries, whether, you know, shipyards or steel manufacturing, um, a lot of baseball players and other pro sports players went to work there, um, and they were often seen as slackers just because they wanted to dodge actual military service, which was pretty funny. And one of the most famous people, uh, Shoeless Joe, was working in a shipyard at this time. And in May of 1918, um, the Secretary of War at the time issued a what they call worker fight rule, which stated that all men working... Um, Sorry, all men not working "quote unquote" useful jobs would be eligible for the draft, and the Secretary of War actually gave an exemption for all MLB players until September, and they gave another—I think it was like two-week extension—to play the World Series. We'll get into that. Sounds um, so a lot I, like 102 years later. Yeah. <laughs> um, at that time, 38% of active MLB players went on to serve in the war. Most famously, guys like Ty Cobb, Christy Matthewson, Grover Cleveland Alexander. Um, I mean, obviously, those are really notable ones. But again, a bunch of players ended up serving. Um, and eight current or former MLB players at that time were actually killed in active duty. Um, and just another interesting fact about Matthewson, this guy's life is really, really interesting. He was actually exposed to tear gas and left his lungs permanently damaged and was definitely a reason he died at the age of 45 from um, tuberculosis. So 1918 season, again, it's shortened to uh, Labor Day. It ends on September 5th, I believe. And the World Series took place in early September. And it was the only time the World Series took place in September for that time. Um, I'll throw it over to Sharon. We can give you the details on that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, like Zach said, the U.S. entered into World War One, and the 1918 season ended early. So on September 2nd, the World Series began on the 5th. Uh, it's the only World Series to start and end in September. Um, this was the Boston Red Sox versus Chicago Cubs, and the Cubs ended up losing their star pitcher, Pete Alexander, for most of the year and the entire series due to his military service. And uh, on top of the war, the series was also marred by players starting to strike due to low gate receipts. So they always got you know a portion of uh, ticket sales, and they were not quite happy with what they were getting. Um, the Cubs would play their home games in this series at Comiskey Park, which was actually the White Sox home because it had a lot more seats than where the Cubs were playing. And the Red Sox, after playing 1915 and 1916 at Braves Field, would actually end up playing the series at Fenway. So game one in Chicago, Babe Ruth 
throws a complete game shutout in one o game. Uh, not really much happening in this game, but during a seventh inning stretch, the U.S. Navy band started playing the Star Spangled Banner. Players turned to the flag, hands over their hearts, and the quiet crowd it erupted into cheers at the conclusion. You know, this is something we we see a lot, well, pretty much every game now. America. Um, this was the first time that it really was being played, and they decided to play the game, play the song at every game for the rest of the series. And the Red Sox ended up making a part of their home games from there on out. Other teams really started to playing it on holidays, special occasions. And Star Spangled Banner wasn't even the national anthem of the country yet. It didn't become the national anthem until 1931. So this was, wow. some people think, where it got its start. So, game two. World Series veteran Lefty Tyler versus Bullet Joe Bush. And they face off. So Tyler ends up throwing a six-hitter, giving up just one run in Chicago's 3-1 victory. And Tyler himself hit a two-run single in the second inning. That ended up standing as the difference in the game. Now, due to wartime travel restrictions, Game 3 was also held in Chicago, where the Red Sox would win another close game, a 2-1 to game, behind a Carl Mays gem and Wally Shang and Everett Scott's back-to-back RBI singles in the fourth inning. Game 4, back in Boston, Ruth on the mound again, throwing seven innings of shutout ball until the Cubs finally pushed across two runs in the eighth, ending his World Series scoreless inning streak, including 13 innings from 1916, at 23 and two-thirds innings. Ruth also tripled in two runs earlier in this game before the Red Sox would win the game on a pass ball in the eighth inning. Jesus. Game five saw Hippo Vaughn throw a five-hit shutout for the Cubs in a 3-0 win, the offense coming from a Dodd-Paskert two-run double. Game six, still at Fenway, saw nearly half the fans as the previous game, but that didn't matter much to the Red Sox, who scored two runs on, you guessed it, an error in the third inning, which was all they needed for a <laughs> two-to-one victory, winning the game, winning the series four games to two. The Red Sox won this series despite a team batting average of, does anybody want to take a guess? A hundred? <laughs> okay, it's a little, it's a little low. 186, oh. the lowest <laughs> winning club, uh, the lowest percentage for a winning club in World Series history. Jesus. Uh, to date, Red Sox manager Ed Morrow is the only manager to win a World Series without previously playing in organized baseball, whether in the minors or the majors. Wow. And uh, obviously we all know 1919 and the Black Sox scandal, but... This World Series didn't go without its own little, you know, little type going on. Uh, uh, as we all know, uh, Sakat, uh, during his trial, ended up making vague references and allegations that the Cubs purposely lost this World Series, the 1918 World Series, to Red Sox, which justified, uh, and it justified their fixing of the games saying that they lost all four games by just one run, uh, and alleged that both owners had shortchanged the players with insufficient shares of the gate receipts. Like I said, that there was uh, a lot of guys that were not happy with that. Um, and Sakat used this as kind of his own, uh, you know, backing for, well, if they, if they could, you know, they could fix the World Series, I could fix the World Series. That's how that works, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and any anything for him to, to not take, uh, you know, responsibility. Yeah, never that. But there was never really anything that came from that other than his allegation. 
Yeah, honestly, but, a lot uh, of early baseballs had rumors of game fixing, but only the Black Sox really had any movement on it. Yeah, I mean, the two teams were, were pretty evenly matched, and, and for a, you know, a season that got cut short and, and players players not being there, it was it would be so, so, so tough to really pin it on anybody. There, there were no, like, plays that stood out or anything like that or guys that got, you know, caught in the aftermath. All right, so moving on to the Hall of Famers, uh, we got very few this time, actually. No newbies, uh, but we have umpires Bill Clem and Hank O'Day, so welcome back. Uh, losing Cubs, so no Hall of Famers that actually played in the series. Obviously, uh, the guys talk about Grover Cleveland Alexander. Uh, he actually only played three games in the season at all because of military service, um, so he obviously didn't play in this series. Uh, Fred Merkel, who is not a Hall of Famer, but I thought it would be a reference. This Fame. was his last World Series appearance out of uh, five. Uh, he went 0 for 5 in the World Series. No rings to show for I wonder his why. boner. Uh, <laughs> he went 5 for 18 with a 267 batting average and a 687 OPS in the series. Um, moving on to the winning Boston Red Sox, we'll start with Harry Hooper. It's actually funny because you have kind of a higher-level Hall of Famer in Babe Ruth and a lower-level Hall of Famer in Harry Hooper. They both hit for 200 exact in the series. Babe Ruth went one for five. Harry Hooper went four for 20. So Hooper I was obviously playing a lot more. Uh, Hooper had no extra base hits and the baseman Hall of Famer. Babe Ruth actually hit a triple and had two RBIs. So as I said before, number one right fielder, in my opinion, level five, obviously, but no need to keep going on those because we've discussed them at length. And once we get to the Yankees, we'll definitely have some Babe Ruth debates. But with that, that's pretty much it for the Hall of Famers today, and we can head on to the current stuff. All right, boys. Let's uh, let's hop into some uh, current events here. Um, Zachy's a little sniffly today, so I'm going to lead here. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, is there any is there any uh, pressing matters you guys want to talk about before I hop into this massive list that I have of things I want to talk about? Do we start with the big boys or do we go with the the no ones, the nobodies? We could start with the big boys. So I, I guess we got to talk about it first because everybody's talking about Zotani signing signing with the Dodgers. How much again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just... What? In the time that you yeah. spent reading that, Shohei Otani made like $5 million. Well, no, he didn't because it's all deferred. Right. I know, but he made it for the future. I mean, dude, I'd, <laughs> I'd love to just walk around and, you know, just defer everything. Like, oh, I go into a bar, you know, I want to get three beers. Ah, I'll defer payment. <laughs> yeah, I'll just pay that later. <laughs> Can I defer my tickets to the Thunder Nets game tomorrow? Oh, God. <laughs> dude, it's just, to me, it's insane. Like, I know that deferring's been around a long time and everybody uses it. But like, and it's written in the CBA that you can do as it doesn't matter how much and any amount of money whatsoever. But like, I, I, I don't know, man. I feel like owners are gonna look and look at this one and be like, "This has got to go," or at least put some sort of cap on it. Yeah, I agree. They definitely have to change it. I don't know how this. I guess no one tried to exploit it like this to this extent. But after. You know, they're going to change it yeah. after this for sure. I mean, it's been exploited before. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the Mets used it on, yeah. on, on Benia so they could go sign Mike Piazza. It's right. been used before and effectively. Maybe not in the last 
10 or 10 years or so, but this is something else. Now, to this extent, it's kind of, it almost feels unfair, really. But no, the Dodgers are the basic trust fund girls, and they're just using daddy's credit card on Shohei Otani. And don't worry, they won't pay him. By the time that they have to pay it off, daddy will be dead anyway. And then it'll go off to write the books. I mean, that's a great analogy. That's what yeah, it was perfect. It, it's it's true. And there was a great meme of it with um, Wolf of Wall Street. Did you guys see that one? I did see that. I did not. Is this legal? Absolutely not. <laughs> Perfect. And then by the time that the contract's over, we sell the team. Yeah. <laughs> it's genius. It's, it's just we can somehow convince Shohei Otani to do it. And honestly, it does work out better for Otani because I believe if he moves out of California, he won't be subject to taxes. Right. He'll just – whatever Japan taxes are. Right. I just think that – you know, with the, with Otani signing there and deferring all this money, and now Yamamoto signs there, yeah. and then Yamamoto goes, "Well, I was probably going to sign with the Dodgers anyway." Mm-hmm. No, you no. weren't. No, you weren't. Nice. Absolutely not. Tampering, tampering. That's that is the stupidest thing I have ever heard. That is such a lie. He signed because Otani's there, oh, yeah. and now he can get paid because Otani's getting paid later. I mean, it's a no. It, it was an absolute no-brainer. And listen, if the betting lines were open on this, and you weren't hammering the Dodgers the second Otani signed and deferred all that money, you're an imbecile. Yeah, because it was just painfully obvious that this is exactly what was going to happen. I mean, I wouldn't have because it wouldn't have been good value. But that's just how I bet, and that's why I lose wow. a lot. Okay, all right, let's not do that. It's a bad value pick because it's so obvious. But it was so obvious. Yes, and it was. Suddenly, there he is. There now you have two really, really, really good players on top of your Mookie Betts and your Freddie Freeman that are already there. I, I, I don't know. T- to me, if you're the Dodgers, and it is a failure of utter proportions if you do not win the World Series. Yes. <laughs> And multiple World Series in the next five to ten years. I mean, they should win. In the next five years, they should win at least two, maybe three. And in ten years, they should have at least five or six. Yeah, but honestly, make it. the Dodgers brought in three pitchers this year. We didn't mention Tyler Glass now yet. But honestly, out of the three of them, which one do you think is the biggest risk? Because Shohei Otani is obviously not pitching all of next year. Yamamoto's never pitched a game in the majors. And Tyler Glass now has a lower career war than Garrett Cole had last season. That's because he never plays. So, I mean, I think that they're all risks, to be be honest with you. I mean, Otani is going to be coming off of his second Tommy John, and he may never really pitch again with that. And, I mean, I advocated for it two years ago when he got the first surgery that he should just not pitch ever again and be a hitter and just get paid for that, but... Hell, what do I know? <laughs> and you know, now you have Glass now, who when he's on his game is absolutely unhittable. He's very good, absolutely unhittable. But yeah. there are times where he's not on his game, and he is also injury prone. Yeah, that was my thing. He and yes, part. Yamamoto, it's never thrown in America, and the guy's stats in Japan are really, really good. But you just you you, you don't know. You don't know what you're gonna get. You can get a you know you can get a Tanaka, or you can get a you know Daisuke Matsuyaka. You just don't really know. Can I just point out one thing to you? Would anyone like to guess the most amount of games Tyler Glass now has started in one season? Fifteen. Got to be like fourteen. For perspective, Garrett Cole pitched thir- uh, started thirty three games last year. 
Do we have any guesses? Uh, yeah, we both said around 15. So he had one season, this one, where he pitched 21. Mm-hmm. The second highest was 14, so you were right yep. there. Yep. He has one hey, outlier hey, season. I got 14. The yeah. average amount of starts he's made in his four years as a starter in Tampa is 14 and a half. Wow. He I mean, pitches yeah. less than half a season on average. That is the one thing about it. And him. they brought him in. But you also got to remember that the Dodgers brought in these three guys, and it's not like they have, like, nothing there. They have Walker Bueller, who, all, yes. of course, He's also is coming off of injury. John next. And, and you have Gonsolin, who yeah. suddenly became who's a god. Hurt. He's out for yeah. here, isn't he? Who's also hurt, yes. Yeah. What's his name? So Dustin, this um, could be too, disastrous. Right? It, 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 there, there's possibilities, but I don't know, dude. I feel like we're, we're grasping at straws here. Yes, there's a lot of question marks, but is every question mark going to fall on the side of, wow, they're trash now? And don't I just forget, don't see it. I don't see Urias it. is still there. And well, he's in a whole other game yeah, of his own. He's thing. dealing with the domestic violence stuff, and who knows if he's even going to pitch again. Right. There's a lot of risks here, and honestly, I don't see it working out. The hitting is what's going to save them. Like, there's no like right now. You're looking at Otani out next year. How long is Gonzalez out? Not Walker sure. Bueller is going to come in supposedly ready to go. Is he going to be Tyler Glass? Now I'm going to put down right now. He's not going to pitch a full season. So it's really Yamamoto. If Gon, I don't know how long Gonzalez out. Like I said, and the hope of Tyler Glass now, and Walker Bueller, who is coming off his second Tommy John. How many guys have really succeeded coming off a second Tommy John surgery? Uh, and I like Walker Bueller. I actually want to see him bounce back because he was one of like my top pitchers that I wanted to see at the time he got hurt. So I just really to, to hop in for a sec, Gonzalez had Tommy John in about August of last year, and they're projecting him to miss most of, if not all, of this year. And Kershaw is out for a while if they were to re-sign him. Uh, is Dustin May over there too, right? Is he a reliever though? I'm trying to remember. They have been using May as a reliever because they don't need him in the starting rotation. He's a good pitcher too though. So who's your reliable starter? Do you need one with that lineup? But to be an ace, yeah. you kind of need to last. They did all right without their guys this year. The Dodgers had nobody. They had yeah. no pitchers last year. And they, they made it to the playoffs. Gonsolin was their ace. Yeah. Urias was until he well, right, you know, right, right. Yeah. up himself. They didn't have that great of pitching, and yes, yes, the West is, is suddenly a really, really good division, but you know, if you start getting these guys healthy at the end of the year, I, I just, I don't know, dude. I, maybe not next year, and I'm not saying they're going to win the World Series next year, and I probably would <sighs> not pin them as the World Series winner in 2024. Mm. But within the next five years, and these guys are coming off back from injuries. Yeah, you need to win one. You absolutely yeah, need to win one. Uh, this, uh, it would be a failure of – they have to. <laughs> it Absolutely. would be the biggest failure in sports if they don't. At what point would Dave Roberts be held accountable? Oh, he should get fired if they don't live within three years. Yeah. I should be fired if they don't win next year, but well, despite everything that I just said. I wouldn't fire him next year only because of all the guys having yeah, Tommy John and coming off of Tommy John. Yeah. If they but I would absolutely fire him. In, in 2025, three, yeah. if he's bad. Yep, I agree. If they don't win in three years, you can get him. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, so I guess the other big one to talk about would be Soto to the Yankees. Hooray! And yes, we're all here cheering. I'm cheering not quite as hard as these two 
because you my first anything. thought you're never happy no matter I, what I, I, i'm not i'm not happy until soto puts his puts his pen down to a piece of paper that says you're going to be here for the long-term future but josh do you because... know why you're not happy why am I not happy? You know why you're not happy. Zach, do you know why Josh is not happy? Because Brett Gardner isn't on the Yankees anymore? No. I know he's going to well, say that. I, I didn't vote for Aaron. Oh. He, because he's a fake Yankee, Yankee fan. fan. Yeah, there we go. go. Fake there Yankee fan is never happy. No. Of I'm just realistic. That Soto is, yes, a huge get for the Yankees. But if he doesn't sign a long-term deal, you just traded away a whole bunch of prospects. Oh, man, we're and really going to miss You get Mike one year of Soto, and if you think the Yankees are winning the World Series this year, I got another thing coming to you, buddy. Oh, they're not. How many of those guys that they traded did you know before the deal was made? Drew Thorpe. I knew about Thorpe because he won minor league pitcher of the year. He is interesting. Right. I knew about King, mm-hmm. obviously. Right. We all know about King. Right, know I think King. King could be a great long reliever or fourth or fifth starter. We're trading, a lo- we're trading for Juan Soto. Again, I love, five I love in Soto. For a I love Soto. I love Soto. But if you do not sign him, it is a waste. And they and I, I know and I'm telling dude, as an Islander fan, I heard the same shit when the Islanders went and they and they traded for Horvat about how, oh, the Islanders suck. They're just gonna trade Horvat the deadline in two months. Oh, he's never gonna sign. Everybody hates Long Island. And uh, he did. You know, and then he signs. And he signs three <laughs> days later. And I loved it. And I love it. It's a great deal. It's working out great. And I'm going to say the same thing about Soto that they said about Horvat. You have to sign him long-term or the deal, or you just got absolutely screwed. So, Mr. Fraud, are you rooting for Soto to struggle this year so the Yankees can get him for cheaper and then have him fix No, him? I'm rooting for the Yankees to sign him before the season even starts. I would hope so. Because if I, I was Hal Steinbrenner, that's what I would do. Because that is the only logical thing that you should be doing. Then again, Brian okay, Cashman is our GM, gamble, so we don't do logic. He's going to gamble on himself. He's been gambling right. on himself for years. He's not going to stop now. No, but if you put enough money in his face, why would he gamble it? Even the Nats. And you're the New York Yankees. And, they, and he didn't take it. Before you're the New York Yankees. You're as established as he is now. You're the New York Yankees. You dangle the money in front of his face. And honestly, that Otani contract, the, and I, I don't want to go back to the Dodgers, but the real question is how much is that going to reset the market for a guy like Soto? Oh, it'll, it'll uh, definitely yeah. increase it for sure. Yeah, for so, sure. He's going to gamble on himself to try to get that level of a contract. If he puts up an MVP-like season in New York alongside Aaron Judge, he's almost going to pull the Aaron Judge. Aaron I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. As, as, as being realistic here, months. being realistic here, I think Soto struggles the first two or three months heavily. Absolutely. I think he heavily struggles yep. because he's going to be, even though he says he's not, very pull-happy, and he has proven long time ago that when he gets pull-happy, he's not good. He's also going to be a wee bit nervous. Of course. And nervous. It's New York. Honestly. The one good thing, though, with Soto, and I think we mentioned it like on a previous pod, is that Soto is one of the few guys in baseball who can say he was the best player on a championship team under the age of 25. Yep. And he showed up when he was in that opportunity. So I understand that like New York is different. The media is different. The, the day-to-day is different. But he did show up on the biggest stage at such a young age where – that boy just might have that dog in him. Yeah. And now he doesn't even have to worry about that. He's not the number one star. Right. He's not yeah. even the number two star. That's why the number I three star. so dangerous in a good way for the Yankees. Yep. It's going to be great. I don't disagree. So like, but I still want that contract signed immediately. I get that. But I think if you have a chance to get a guy like that 
a guy who's been compared to Ted Williams, whether or not we agree with that or not, <laughs> is another story. A guy who's been the best player on a championship team at 22 years old at the time, you take that chance. Oh, I'm definitely not saying they shouldn't have. They absolutely should have. But you have to put the check in front of his face and just let him cash it. He has to sign. But I don't think it's that colossal of a failure if they don't get him. Also, he's a Boris guy, right? I don't know. The Yankees pitching prospects are really thin, and they oh, get yeah. a bunch of them. But if he's a Boris client, Boris is going to let It's one of those shows you have to see. I'm oh, sorry, Zach. Go ahead. I was saying, I think he's a Boris client, and there's no way Boris is going to let him sign before the season. Like, you know how right. he rolls. He's going to let him test the market. That's just 100%. how it is. I, I think yeah, you see off from a billion, and he'd probably turn it he'd down. Turn, yeah, he'd say no. He'd just wait till the end of the season. That's how he like, goes. This is one of the few things I won't fall Cashman for. Yeah. All right. Any 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 last thoughts on Soto? Short porch. Short porch. I mean, I'm thrilled. I, I listen. Do I think it's putting us in a chance to win a title? No, but it's putting us in a position to make the playoffs and be a team that's going to scare opponents. And once you're in the playoffs, as long as you get hot, anything can happen. We anything saw that happen. with Arizona and Texas. Yep. So I, I'm happy with the move. I think anything that helps, even just letting Judge see pitches, is huge too. Oh, yeah. Judge was the only guy in the lineup last year that was succeeding. Mm-hmm. So now Juan Soto's there. Judge is going to have to see a little more fat pitches, especially if they draw the lineup up right. And now the two of them are both going to be able to bounce off each other. I think that that holds immense value for the Yankees next year. I think just having left-handers in the lineup, Soto, and, and even as much as I really do not like the move, uh, Verdugo helps the team as yeah. a whole. Yeah, I mean, Verdugo's another one, but obviously Soto was the one that overshadowed it. But Obviously. I well, I don't, I, I don't like the Verdugo move at all, to be quite honest with you. I really don't. I wasn't a big fan of it. It kind of like it's one of the few moves that a favorite team of mine has made. Like, you know, obviously I'm a Nick fan. The Ananobi news was thought provoking one way or another for every Nick fan. But this is the one move that my favorite team has made for a starter level player. And I'm just left kind of cold with it. Like, I really have no opinion on him one way or another. I'm kind of just like, okay, cool. We got him. I just, so the thing to me, the thing to me about it is that I just don't see the need for him. Right. Uh, the, uh, the only thing you're doing is telling is telling the kids that you have, you know, Pereira that you let play all the end of last season. Yeah, you know, oh, you're not ready. We don't want you yet. We yep. want to have this guy. Why? You're gonna get the exact. He's not. The, Verdugo's a two forty hitter. You're gonna, you're gonna get the same production out of the kid. Why? Why? Why wouldn't you just let the kid play and save some money? He'll probably be a guy that gets beloved here, and he'll end up like a baiter, for better or for worse. Right. Oh, so you can get beloved for two months and then have the t- and then have everybody wanted them to ship him out of town two right. months later. Pretty much, that's what I was saying. I'd, that's, I'd, that's I'd rather like let the rookies play. Works, I'd rather let the rookies play. You're gonna get the exact same production out of Cabrera or Pereira. It doesn't matter. I wholeheartedly agree with that, but Cashman's Cashman. Oh yeah, yeah. I just I don't I don't. I really expect them to be in the deal. So though. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought when they got him that he was gonna get flipped immediately. Me too. But we also got. Trent Grisham, uh, now Pereira doesn't have a spot on the team. Neither does Cabrera. These guys, these guys are going back to AAA. I know. You're not going to see these guys unless somebody gets hurt, Stan. <laughs> At least Grisham's good defensively, though. He'll play center field, I hope. He is, but he can't hit. No. But at least... Well, I guess he's another lefty, so yes. that, that does help. And he can play. Um, 
And when Stan gets hurt, then you can just have Judge DH. Yes, which would... Or Soto DH, because Judge is a significantly better fielder. Yeah. Um. But then when Domingo's, Domingo's comes back, then then you have to make a decision on who you're DFAing, and I would assume that's going to end up being Grisham. Oh, for sure. Okay. Just, Anything else? No, let's get into your laundry list. Okay, so so one of the names on the laundry list I got here is Tyler O'Neill traded to the Red Sox. What? I take it by the silence that you guys didn't even think about this move at all. So no. I cared less. I mean, <laughs> it's honestly like, that's another one where I was completely out of cold. My biggest rival gets, yeah, and listen, he's a two-time gold lover, but like, he hit 231. He's a below average hitter by OPS plus. He's only had two seasons above 100. I see zero. I I, I was not intimidated in the slightest by this. I can't yeah, believe you actually concerned. put this in the pod. I'm not, okay. <laughs> hold, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. I, first of all, first of all, the things the things on this list they don't they don't have to be like oh my god like like gangbuster things. mid. They don't have to be like gangbuster <laughs> things. But no. But I, I'm just saying as we sit in here and, and talking about it, I'm thinking Tyler O'Neill. The guy's a good player. He's a, he is a two time Gold Glover, and he had a really really good season three years ago, and in the last two years have been riddled with injury. If he can stay healthy, I think he'll be a very good player for the Red Sox. And he has a lot of pop as a right-handed bat, specifically in the upward direction, and I think he would benefit from the green monster. That's it. That's all I wanted I mean, to listen, say. Is that so bad? Well, no, go ahead. I, I mean, like, I can't believe we're wasting airtime on it. <laughs> I wonder why we have no viewership. And, and, and you waste airtime talking about Alex Rodriguez, so I don't want to hear Oh, it. my God. Alex Rodriguez is a hell of a lot more relevant. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's he's been retired eight years from – Debatable. I don't know. Tyler O'Neill has a better Hall of Fame case than Alex Rodriguez. He didn't do steroids, so I don't oh know. Oh, my God. Well, we're going to have a lot – we are going to have some Hall of Fame stuff to talk about after your laundry list. Oh, my God. All right. Next yeah. one I got is Candelario to the Reds. I take it by the overwhelming smell. Sure, but I think you uh, put a lot so of effort into this. this. This is awful. I remember Candelario because you saw him, and then he immediately got traded like two days later. Uh, uh, all right, all right. I just want to say I like Candelario. I think he'll be a good fit in the Reds. He's a little bit older. Can help them at third base. He's a switch hitter. He'll do all right there. Eight okay, years, that's what I got. Forty hitter, seven thirty nine OPS. All right, next one I got. Next one I got is. Um, Next one, I got a Seth Lugo to the Royals. <laughs> to the Royals, buddy. What are we doing, dude? This is atrocious. Are we trolling? <laughs> no, I no, I, I wrote all these things down. Like, actually. <laughs> all right, keep going. Wait, 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 wait. Sunny Gray to the Cardinals. No, I just want to say, I just want to say, I think Lugo just ended his career right then and there. Lugo ended his career like four years ago. No, yeah, I think it's like really. It was it was teetering, and now it's like really over. Okay, yeah. next one. Uh, Zach, you'll be happy about this one. Uh, Kimbrel to the Orioles. How do we feel oh, about yeah, that? One? There, we go. That there we go. There we go. There we go. Yeah, something to talk about. Oh my god. <laughs> all right. <laughs> All right, so talk about it. Go ahead. Well, right. um, the Rays, sorry, the Rays, the O's needed a closer with Batista being out. And, I mean, Kimbrell's serviceable, but just wait till the playoffs come and it'll actually, you know, blow the whole game and you won't go to the World Series because of him. There you go. So, All right, thank you, Philly fans. Craig Kimbrell in the playoffs over the course of his career. 4.5 ERA. Ooh. Hall of Fame worthy, though, right, Mike? Hall of Fame worthy. Hall of Fame worthy. Hey, Billy Wagner's about to get in, and he has oh doubled my. that, Zach. Oh, my God. It doesn't matter what the playoff <laughs> ERA is for the Hall of Fame. He has oh. Just ask Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> 30 games. He gets a save in one-third of his postseason appearances. That is terrible. Um, he finished 19 games. He saved 10 of them. So keep in mind, not all of them are save situations. 
Um, in the World Series with Boston, he had a 4.15 ERA. He gave up two runs in four innings. Um, obviously, the Phillies this season was a disaster. Uh, he is getting older. I do like it, though, just because of the intangible aspect. I think the, the Orioles were in desperate need of some kind of veteran. Yeah, he's very serviceable. Yes, absolutely. And he absolutely fits that because he's old as dirt. Oh, my God, Wembenyama. Dude. Anyway, sorry, I got off topic. But Yeah, you know, he'll do a fine job. What? He, he's serviceable. He'll do fine until Batista, you know, whenever they get their closer back. Yeah, I think it's an underrated aspect because right now their vet leader was really like Cedric Mullins and – Aaron Hicks. Yeah, dude, to have to have, Kim, to have Kimbrel in, in your bullpen to mentor these young kids, I think is is more important than anything else. Here. Right, yeah. I think it's a good signing for them, and I think especially after their absolute complete and utter collapse in the playoffs. Yeah, that was bad. You need somebody that's like you know been there and kind of you know been there, done that. Blow that too. If, he's gonna be the full time closer. I would Until assume Batista returns. Yes. Yeah. So if he can get twenty saves, he'll be at four thirty seven. Ah, uh, Jesus. That means he's he's and the Orioles are going to win games. He will get opportunities. He's eighth all-time right now. He can jump. Wow. He's going to be right with Jansen. He's going to – five saves, he jumps Wagner. Seven saves, he jumps Franco. And 20 saves, he jumps K-Rod. Isn't it disgusting to say that he's going to be a Hall of Famer? I don't think it is. Only to you. you know, <laughs> only to you. That's more – You're forgetting I'm... how great he was when he was young. Like, he was on pace to top Mariano Rivera. Oh, in geez. pure save numbers. He led the league in saves four straight years and had 186 saves by the time he was 26 years old. Wow. I think you just forget how iconic it is when he stands there getting signs on the mound. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's cool. But I don't know, man. And I think that's number. actually going to be a lasting argument for the Hall of Fame votes. People are actually going to vote for him because of that weird thing that he does. Oh, my God. I actually, like, the the bird thing, like Edwin Encarnacion running out of home run. Just you just, you, it's just it's just memorable. You're going to remember it when you right. vote for the guy. It's like, oh, I remember that guy. He used to do this weird thing. But oh, you know, writers picture. could do the bare minimum, like doing a Google search or something like that. But nope, never that. But no, you know, oh, yeah. That's, yeah. We'll you know get to that later. Those, you know how many of those Hall of Fame articles from the voters have mentioned Gary Sheffield's batting stance that every kid mimicked? It's <laughs> yeah, gonna be probably every one of them. Almost all of them, yeah. And Craig Kimbrell's wind-up is going to be right there with him. Except nobody mimics that. They just laugh at it. Right. Yep. But the fans do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's but it true. was an entertaining part of the game. And I, like I said, the O's are the perfect spot for him to finish out his career. Young, good, scrappy team. Needs a veteran leader. And he provides that. I like the signing for the Orioles. I think it's a good yeah. signing. Even if Zach doesn't like him. No, you should like that signing. signing because it keeps him out of Philly if you hate him that much. Oh, we get it. We get it. Yeah, and I mean, if you hate him that much, it's good that he's on the Orioles, too, because the Yankees are going to play him. Oh, wait, that's right. You're a Philly fan. Oh, right. So Rats. Rats. All right. Next one I got. Is this worthy of talking about? <laughs> uh, j- just because I don't like him is Frankie Montas to the Reds. Oh, ridiculous. <laughs> and I, I just want to say that this was the probably the greatest signing Cashman has ever made. Uh, oh, wait. <laughs> worst signing Cashman has ever made. Uh, by signing this man for him to pitch a total of nine games for the New York Yankees <laughs> through two years. Yes, he had Tommy John in the middle. I don't care. What a giant, complete waste of money, time, and a roster spot. And because they traded for him, they traded away Jordan Montgomery, who I said at the time was the dumbest crap they could have ever done. They should not have given up on him. And look what he just did. If you think that I can't create a Juan Soto narrative based on Frankie Montas alone, you are dead wrong. 
Here we go. So Frankie Montas oh. is the embodiment of what happens when a team makes a move based solely on their need at the given time. We needed a pitcher. We went for Montas. And inadvertently, we wound up trading away Montgomery in a related, unrelated move. But we got Montas thinking that he would fit our rotation. Dead wrong. Go for the best player, Juan Soto. Thank you. Okay, that that just was irrelevant, but sure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was pretty bad. Yeah. I think it was dead on. I mean, like, would you rather have a pitcher that is not going to have any fit, or would you rather have the best hitter in baseball? I'll They're take not, the best hitter in this baseball. This is not comparable right because this happened like two years ago, Mike. Yeah, the Yankees, the Yankees got Montas today. They, they needed a guy for the playoffs, and they didn't realize they was going to have a six ERA with the Yankees. The guy's terrible. He was not. I, and I don't. I don't really. I never understood the hype around him. Like, yeah, he's on Oakland, and Oakland sucks. And everyone just poaches players off of Oakland and tries to pretend they're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sean Manea was good with Oakland because he's pitching. Nobody talked about. Nobody ever talked about Montas. He had one season where he was pretty good, and everything else, he was pretty mediocre. I just can't believe that Cincinnati is going to be paying him sixteen million dollars. <laughs> yeah, I don't. That I don't understand. Unbelievable. At all. I mean, the Reds don't like spending money, and there's at least three starters on that team that I would pitch ahead of him. Well, they also are going to eventually have to pay superstar Ellie De La Cruz. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But they don't have to pay superstar Joey Votto anymore. Rip. Did they ever end up signing him or no, right? No. I think Votto's a free agent. He currently. is a free agent. And he's he has not retired, but he also, but there is literally no buzz about him going anywhere. Yeah. Sad way to go out. I know. Yeah. If, if he ends up going out. Yeah, I don't know what he's going to do. He could be like a Brett Gardner where he just never retires, but also just never signs anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's I mean, not that's, pretty. That's kind of crappy for a future Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, Bernie Williams the same way. Yeah. All right. So next one I have, and this one uh, you better not tell me is not important, is Chris Sale to the Braves. Very important. Yeah. This, very this, important. This is very Wave important. Wave this no trade clause to go there. So Chris Sale is going to be taking on an almost fully righty lineup in the NLCS if the Dodgers make it there. Well, actually, the, I think the Braves have to get past the Phillies first before they can talk smack about getting to the. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see Chris Sale carve up a uh, good old Bryce Harper, <laughs> like the trash can he is. Oh my god! Crying. Oh man! You know what I'd love to see? Now that I'm thinking about it. I'd love to see Sale throw one at Harper and watch the two like right. biggest hotheads in MLB fight each other. That'd be fun. God, that would be that would be must see television. Who would win that fight? I don't think it matters. The fans would win it. No, I'm I saying mean, like I, who would win that fight? Like hypothetically, it would, would hypothetically throw uh, Nolan Ryan too. Hypothetically, I think Harper would probably throw his helmet and smack himself in the face again. Yeah, I was gonna and say. They pro- and they would probably <laughs> both snap an ankle running at each other. Yeah, Chris Sale would definitely snap an ankle, but I think what would end up happening. Bryce Harper would sucker punch him. He'd go. He'd fall down. He'd get back up. Then Chris Sale would punch himself in the face, and that would cause a concussion. <laughs> that's how his career ends. I like it. I like it. That's how, yeah. You know that sounds about right. Yeah, that does sound about right. He would find a way to get himself hurt after getting sucker punched in the face. Yeah. And then he'd probably go into the clubhouse and start destroying it. Yeah. Yeah, because he didn't like the jerseys. Yeah. And that would be his last MLB appearance. Yeah, yep. that sounds about right. I, I, I like the sound of that. Now, the real question is, how many starts is Sale going to have this year? So, good question, because... He's supposedly healthy. Mm-hmm. We'll do the supposedly. same narrative as we did with Glass now. In his last three years, all right, 
he's thrown an average of about 10 starts. I was going to guess 10, yeah. So it was 29 and 2. And then he didn't wow. make one start in the COVID year. So this this past year was the most, actually. So there is some promise, but he also didn't pitch anywhere nearly as well as he did in yeah. those other 11 starts. So You're taking a chance. You're absolutely taking a chance. But they're a team that can take a chance because they have a better yes. – they have a more solid ro- – like the Dodgers have a higher ceiling. The Braves have more solidity. Oh yeah, he's what? he's not being signed to be the ace. This is not this is not exactly. the Mets signing Kershaw. Yeah, not Kershaw, Scherzer, and expecting him to be the ace. Is he the number four or three? They got Strider, Max Fried. Um, they moved uh, um, Soroka. Soroka, I think yeah, Soroka's gone. Three or four. Oh, is he oh, really that's right. gone? That's right. Forgot about that. Soroka's gone, and Kyle Wright's gone. That's right. That's a weird move, though. I don't get why Double A did that one. I don't know, dude. When you have all these prospects, you can manage to trade some of them away. Mm-hmm. Must be nice having pitching prospects. We wouldn't know anything about that. But the guy won 20 games a year ago, his last healthy season. I mean, I know it was just one season, so I guess maybe he tried to sell at medium value. But why? <laughs> I don't know. Do you have Jared Kalenic on that list, though? I That one I do not. Wow, so that didn't even make your stand. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that signing is important at all whatsoever. Right. I think he's a failure. Oh, oh, no, 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 he had two fifty last year. Yeah, right? I think he's a fail. Prospect. I think he's actually we'll better see. than half the guys you've already mentioned. Yeah, <laughs> I think Kalenic is a failed prospect. We'll see though. I mean, he came from the Mets, so obviously he's not good. Yeah. <laughs> what about Sonny Gray to the Cardinals? There, Big Sherm. The Sonny Gray. Listen, we do not speak that. He name almost won. Here. What was he top five in Cy Young voting this past year? We do not speak that name in New York. He's the cold sore of the New York game. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think he'll do fine in uh, St. Louis. Perfect. Of course, anywhere but New York. <laughs> Backcourt? No. Absolutely. Anyway, speaking of how much we hate the Mets, the Mets, forever the little brothers, have signed Luis Severino and Harrison Bader. I love it. <laughs> how how I cannot believe. I, I just think it's funny, honestly. I can't believe someone paid Severino to suck. I can't. The amount of, especially the amount of money they paid him. Unbelievable. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I saw an article the other day about Severino where they were talking about how he's tipping every pitch. <laughs> Shocking. Literally oh every pitch he's tipping, and he has multiple tells. Oh, my God. And that when the Yankees tried to fix it, he suddenly got worse. <sighs> so, at that point, we're done here. Goodbye. Your career is over. We'll see you working at Walmart. Yeah. And now but the Mets are going to pay him more money, so now he can stave off working to Walmart until he's about forty-five. I don't, I don't, I don't know, dude. I would not have signed him. Period. And the oh, Mets no. signing him just is funny. Never, never, never. I would never touch this man with a six-foot pole. Okay, so the next one I got here is Jung Hoo Lee to the Giants. But no, I think this is great for the Giants. You know, they've been dying for their their you know their uh, overseas prospect for all this time. They they really want him really bad, and they can just never get one. And they finally go out and they sign a guy. God knows what he's gonna do. I know. It's it's like Yamamoto. Yeah, he won the the KBO MVP. He was their Rookie of the Year a couple years ago. He is the grandson of the wind. <laughs> oh, but I don't know. I have I have no idea what to think of this guy. No, Sam, uh, he was hitting, we he was can't hitting evaluate 20, him. Three thirty over there. There's no way to evaluate him. We're just gonna have to wait. No way to evaluate that one. What was Sia Suzuki hitting when he was over there? <laughs> 
That's a good question. So, Seiya Suzuki, in 11 seasons, hit 302 with a 917 OPS. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's including the majors. Is that? And he was even higher before that. So, cutting out the... Suzuki played the KPO or the NPB? This is MP- this is uh, JPWL and JPCL, so I guess it's part of the NPB. Okay. So in that time, I'm trying to like upload it here. So the thing for me is that Lee is from the KBO, which I could be speaking entirely incorrectly here, but I don't think that's as strong as a league as the NPB. I don't think so either, but it, we, we could just be dumb. So in foreign play, he hit 309 with a 943 OPS. In that's nine good. seasons. No, it's good. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. And how's he hitting now? I know. I mean, he's been... He's a good player. He's all right. He's a good he's player, not a but, star, he, but he's a good player. He did. But it's worth the hype that he had coming here. I don't think he had that much hype coming here, if you're quite honest with you. No. I don't... I feel like he was a pretty coveted free agent. I think Lee had more uh, more media coverage than Suzuki did. Nice. But, uh, I mean, it, I, I think it's just good for the... Good for the Giants because they've been they've been killing you know they've been dying for somebody out there. They really have. And they they've really been wanting you know anybody to come to San Francisco real bad. <laughs> you know, no more arson judge out there. <laughs> We've signed our judge. I'm just surprised that no stars want to go there. I don't know, Correa. I mean, no established major league. I stars. mean, Correa was going to go there, but you know. Yeah, but Correa was going to go anywhere that was going to give him money because everyone knew that that injury was going to last. Yeah. He's fine now. He's a, he didn't spend For any now. time in the I.L. For now. For now until his ankle shatters. Let's see. Again. Not that I'd be upset. Nope. Ironically, like the pitches, everyone will have seen it coming. <laughs> Better. Huh. All right, moving on. Uh, next one I got, and I know you'll probably flame me for this one, is Wu Suk Go signing with the Padres, who apparently is Jung Hoo Lee's brother-in-law. <laughs> uh, this guy was a closer in the KBO. Uh, not the KBO. Or he was a closer. I don't know which league he was from, to be honest with you. I honestly did not know this happened. Not to be um, cool. But yeah, I don't know. Padres got, Padres got a new closer from overseas. Guy's supposed to be pretty good. And then for the last signing I have on the list is our favorite player, our absolute favorite player. We love this guy here. Uh oh. Championship robust. Isaiah Kiner Falefa signing with the t- Toronto. <laughs> I am just absolutely <laughs> distraught. Good I am distraught that he would absolutely go sign. I can't believe it. Agony. Just agony. I'm in agony. It's just so painful. He's going to hang out with Alec Manoa and Vladimir Guerrero and end up morbidly obese by July. Oh my god. I would pay to see that. <laughs> like instead of hard knocks and like midseason hard knocks in football, we're gonna have midseason my six hundred pound life in Toronto. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I would pay to see that. Move over move over honey boo boo, we got IQ. <laughs> we gotta have Dr. Nazarado be like, stop eating. I gotta go. This is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your enabler? Fly Guerrero. <laughs> There's oh, no man. Mashed potato. I mean, whatever. He's a fine utility guy. And, uh, Toronto is going to be Toronto and, you know, mess up anyway. He's fine for what you use him for. Yeah, exactly. He's serviceable. It's whatever. Right. 
<laughs> He's not the shard of the starting shortstop like the Yankees thought he was going to be. Yeah. All right. So the next next thing I like to talk about, and I'm going to move through this one very fast, is uh, Wander Franco getting arrested. Oh no! And I just want to say, I'm not going to talk about why he's getting arrested. I just want to say that Trevor Bauer doesn't look so bad right now. <laughs> Moving on. You're absolutely correct. I'm not going to get involved in this. (laughs) Moving on. Moving on. The MLB Competition Committee has approved rule changes, reducing the time between pitches from 20 seconds to 18 seconds with runners on base. Yay. Stating that pitchers began their deliveries on average 7.3 seconds remaining on that 20-second timer last year. Yay. And the MLB Players Association immediately... (laughs) immediately rejected. Stop whining. Immediately. They don't like change. Max Scherzer is shaking in his boots right now. A whole two seconds? You already learned the pitch clock. Like, I don't understand their argument too much. Max Scherzer got mad when the first pitch took too long. (laughs) This is true. I don't know. I just don't... I don't see... uh, To me, I don't see how this is such a really big deal. Uh, I don't think those two seconds are going to kill you. It's very silly. And... uh, you know, who knows if this is actually a, you know, a real number, the 7.3 seconds remaining. Why do they even not? eight seconds? Just ma- 18 seconds. Just make it eight seconds. Help, make it three. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Calm down there. Calm down. It's not that hard. Just throw the ball. All right. Calm down there, buddy. We're moving. Let's go. Okay. Yeah. That, that's all I got to say. I just, I don't think it's really that big of a deal, but no, I don't think association is going to do their stuff and and stand against anything that they can just, just because, just because they can. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the end of my list. And I know Mikey has been dying to talk about the whole interactions on X formerly known as Twitter. And Uh, you should go follow Cobb pod. (laughs) All right. Mikey, you're up. You're an idiot. Yeah, no more voting for you, please. I like I never decided to say someone should lose their ballot. I, I but we sat here as amateur podcasters, sat down, did some research, and figured out who we believe should be in. And while we had some disagreements, we actually came up with some sort of group thing, and we could honestly appreciate most of our stances. You know, I joke around that Josh the fake Yankee fan because he didn't vote for A Rod, but look, I get his idea. I said that Zach was a dinosaur for not wanting to vote for Billy Wagner or Francisco Rodriguez, but like I can respect his stance that the elite of the elite should be in, and you know maybe a specialist position should be a little bit harder to get in. I, I understand, but I but I still need to find new friends that you guys didn't vote. Oh for Oh my god! Well, you also need to be against Marcus Breton as well because he voted for two people and he voted for Carlos Beltran, who neither of you voted for. I did, and Adrian Beltre, who obviously we all voted for. But he did not vote for anybody else. Now, on the surface, I wouldn't have been mad. I actually wasn't mad when I read the ballot. Even like, I rolled my eyes and moved on. Me either. But my reasoning why was then he follows it up immediately, about two seconds after he actually posts it, before anyone actually comments, with not surprised, and this is his quote, his tweet. It's still up. He hasn't deleted it out of shame yet. Um, not surprised by crying fanboys when ballots are announced. Sorry to hurt your little feelings. You get no credit for transparency on this platform. Some players who didn't get a vote this year could get one next year and meanwhile grow up. So someone actually wrote him a nice comment and said, you know, I'm just curious why Gary Sheffield didn't get a vote. No judgment or anything, just curious. Now, if you have a brain in your head, you would know that (laughs) Gary Sheffield was in his final year of eligibility. Hang on. Marcus Breton replies to it in a very nice way, actually. 
I could still vote for him next year. That's the beauty of 10 years of eligibility. This year, I felt strongly about two and voted for two. Now, at this point, Mac being who he is, he commented, you know, <laughs> hey, Marcus, you know, what year is Sheffield in again? To which Mac received no response. But a lot of people started to follow along with that, and then he got a bunch of quote tweets from that. He actually is up to 147 now. For the record, I can confirm we were the first quote tweet on that platform. Let's go. Um, but we were the first of 147, and a bunch of people kind of took our thunder. But that's okay. Um, <laughs> we were first. Point here, I can 100% confirm this is dead on true that we were the first retweet. Inadvertently, it kind of did the opposite, where um, we gave the guy more attention than he deserved, and a bunch of like verified people who actually have like strong followings went out against this too, to the point where he actually got community noted on X. <laughs> That's ended, my favorite part. This is Gary Sheffield's final year of eligibility for the Baseball Writers Association of America Hall of Fame election. Listen, I'm not gonna like I I make fun of people's opinions all the time. I'm not gonna act like I don't. But I respect people's opinions when they actually put in the research. If he gave a logical argument as to only picking Beltran and Beltre, saying he only felt that, you know, that this guy was course field and that this guy didn't catch long enough and that this guy was a reliever and wasn't good enough as a reliever and that these guys did steroids, I'd have no problem with the ballot. I really wouldn't. I would make fun of it, but I wouldn't have a super problem with it. It's the idea that he had no idea even how long the guys are eligible. And then he has the audacity to try to say that fans are crying fanboys when they actually research and understand the process. It actually made me turn around and think that maybe instead of having writers do it, instead of having fans do it, maybe fans should do it, believe it or not. Maybe have verified fans who actually know what they're doing. Have the fans take a certain like sort of historical baseball test, pass the test, and then you get a vote. I <laughs> I think you're asking a little much out of the general pop- population there. But who's going to the Hall of Fame? We have to change the system. Who's this paying is the admission absurd. to go to the Hall of Fame? I mean, you're not wrong. Like, I, 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 I can't day, if the Hall of Fame is about the fans and about the paying customer, why don't put it? Why don't you put in the people that the paying customer want to see? I think you underestimate the A, laziness, and B, stupidity of the general population to fill out an exam such as that. Where they would have to then pick a certain threshold of this person should be allowed to vote and this person should. That's not. why I think. And then how are you going to figure out? And then you have a relative knowledge of baseball history. Again, this is just a random idea that I just kind of came up with out of the blue. See, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like you could uh, spin that into like actual like presidential elections, and suddenly we're going down a very dark path. Okay, yeah, yeah let's, let's not do that. down there, please. <laughs> Shut up. I'm yeah, just yeah. saying. I'm just saying. I don't. I don't think that's that's a good person. The Hall of Fame does need to change. Shut some, up and podcast. Because this is just unacceptable that you got idiots like this not doing research to even, you know, care enough to vote for the guys. Not even not to vote for them. Not to do the research to look it up. It's just it's so infuriating to me. And listen, I have no problem with you not voting Sheffield. Even though I'm sure you're infuriated, Zach, Mr. Bill White. I, wow. Yeah, but look, at least Zach wow. isn't an actual <laughs> voter. <laughs> Zach I'm sorry. Have, I gotta go. Zach has a right <laughs> sorry, to head off. At the end of the day, he should have yanked it off, figured out a vote, and been set up. I, I, I can't believe that he actually put this in and then justified it by saying that. And the fact oh, dude, he was looking for a fight. He had a preemptive fight before he... He was looking for it. Got he wanted it. He dropped the ballot and was like, I want the smoke. And then he realized that he screwed up so bad, and he just doubled down on it. 
And then he wrote a like an article, a blog on his blog the other day, and was like, "Did I mess up? Sure, yeah. it was a minor mistake. That's not a minor mistake, dumbass." He said he's not sorry. <laughs> I honestly, I'm not even. I didn't even read the article because I didn't want to give him the views. But I have to say, as a whole, I'm not mad at most of the ballots this year. Like a lot of times, it used to. I really like. I don't get mad anymore. And nobody's put in a blank ballot, so that's good. It honestly made me happy, though, Zach, to see you get so passionate about it. Like, this podcast really, like, brought out that in you. Because you never, like, you would always, like, acknowledge it and say, like, wow, that guy's an idiot. You were genuinely upset over this Marcus Brenton battle. I was. And it made me so happy to see. Like, I wish it was under better circumstances that that passion came out of you. But I I love seeing that, and it made me so happy. And it actually makes me think that there's a chance you might make your own rank list one day. So that made me feel pretty good. Yeah, what made the difference was for me actually to go visit the Hall of Fame and seeing how amazing and cool it is that we should not be not letting these guys in off stupid errors like that or something. And also just uh, the thing that really stuck with me is a little off topic, but the way that they parade Barry Bonds' stuff and just all the steroid users' stuff in the Hall of Fame, like – you know, there's the plaque room, and then the museum is right there. And it's like, oh, this is the bat that Bonds used when he broke the home run record. It just feels weird, you know? It shouldn't feel like all or nothing. So, go. Yeah. I disagree. I disagree oh with that. God. I disagree with that. <laughs> what are you thinking about? I disagree with that. You can't erase the history, but that doesn't mean that they're Hall of Fame worthy. So Cap Anson's a Hall of Famer. Ty Cobb's a Hall of Famer. Kinosaw Mountain Landis is a Hall of Famer. Tris Speaker's a Hall of Famer. But these guys are the problem. They cheated. Willie Mays used amphetamines. Hank Aaron used amphetamines. Uh, Mike Schmidt used amphetamines. Frank Thomas used amphetamines. Shall I go on? But anyway, just physically going and seeing the hall, like being there, it just made me realize that we should be letting more people in. But then here I am being like stringent on relievers. But I don't know. No, uh, like, even, if you're, even if you're being more generous on other positions, like, I mean, obviously we can't, at this point, for the BBWA, at least, eventually we'll have the Veterans Committee vote on him again. But, like, guys like Louis Tion, guys like Tommy John, guys like Don Mattingly, guys like Dave Parker, all these guys are on the borderline. So, like, even if you're a little more generous on that end of it, I agree with you, and that's why I try to vote for 10, because a lot of these, a lot of times these ballots end up having more than 10 Hall of Famers anyway, and I'd mm-hmm. much rather see them get in now than five years after they die. Right. It annoys me to see that, like when Ron Santo got in, when Buck O'Neill got in, when Minnie Mignosa got in. It's like, great. So they weren't a Hall of Famer for 80-plus years when they were alive. But now all of a sudden they're dead and we can give them the plaque. Like, let them be here to enjoy it. No, I let 100% them be agree. Here to give the speech. So that's why I'm pretty big on going for 10. I don't really care, like, what – like, who you pick as long as you're picking people, you know? Yeah, I just the Hall of Fame needs to think of something to fix their voting system. I mean, I don't know what the other options are. I know we talked like, what what does the NFL do? What does the NBA do? Like, what are other options? I honestly can run through that right now for you. I would love that. Educational process. So football has a group of fifty writers. They can they basically vote by mail at first. They have a list of one hundred and seventy something, usually give or take of like preliminary guys, they whittle that down to 25 by mail. Then they whittle it down to 15 by mail. Then usually like right before the Super Bowl, they meet either in person or on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And they have one representative from each team in this voting body. They discuss the person representing the team that the player was most synonymous with presents the player. So for example, 
um, when Eli Manning comes on next year, if he makes the boom of 15, the Giants writer will present his case. Um, and they'll give the pros and cons. It's all behind closed doors, but they all debate together. So it's like a two to five minute presentation from to start. And then by then it's a debate and it goes as long as it needs to sort of like this podcast in a way. Um, some debates go 10 minutes, some debates go an hour. And at the end of the debate, when all 15 people are done, they whittle the list down to 10. Then they debate again. They whittle it down to five. And then any of those five that get 80% or more, usually a formality at that point, they get in. That's pretty cool. I like the in-person, like speaking about it because you're having a conversation with other people about it. Right. And we know the voters' names. We don't necessarily know how they vote. The Pro Football Hall of Fame usually doesn't like having them come out. But Peter King sometimes announces it. Some other guys sometimes talk about it. But they are typically pretty much sworn to secrecy without, unless they, you know, all they can really say is, oh, this guy made a really good presentation for this guy. Mm-hmm. But they can't really go into details of what was said in the speech, except in very limited circumstances. So, like, for one, when Warren Sapp was up in his first ballot, he was competing against Michael Strahan. Okay. Um, and that's the negative is that there's usually, like, 15 guys that should be in okay. that get up to the finalist stage. So a lot of times it ends up wait your turn. Right. So Tampa Bay Rider goes up. I Iris something, I believe his name is. And he says, and I'm paraphrasing here. Warren Sapp was an a-hole. He was oh. a jerk to you. He was an a-hole to me. But Warren Sapp's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> I like that. Warren Sapp got in. I actually really like that. That's cool. It's, it's poignant. It doesn't yeah. matter. He's in. And Pro Football Hall of Fame trusts that it's strictly about on field. I see. They should. Baseball should take after that. So I, I like the fact, like, Part of me likes the fact that there's so many writers for baseball, so that it's more of a group thing. But the other part of me, it weeds out the people who don't want to be there. And if you have someone like Marcus Breton, he's going to get laughed out of the room. As he should. Right. So I think that's a good perk of it. And baseball and football are like generally about the same num- percentage of people. I think baseball is a little bit less percentage than football, but it's also a function of you know, more. there's a higher percentage of impactful players on a football team than a baseball team. Mm-hmm. Um, basketball, it's more secretive. We don't even know who the voters are. Oh, wow. Um, there's 24 voters. They take the preliminary lists. A lot of times there's like some weird guys that aren't on it. Um, so like Penny Hardaway just got on the ballot for the first time this year. Sean Kemp's still not on the ballot after many years, but they whittle that list down. They have different categories. So like international has a separate category. Women's have a separate category. Um, pioneers have a separate category and they just have to get 18 to 24 votes once they get to the finalist stage not really a whole lot of information on how they get there but that's how the basketball game works not very transparent but that's their process hockey they just have like i think eight or ten guys sit in a room sort of like football but there's no yeah real... hockey 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 is they got uh it's 18 guys it's 18 okay. they're former players gms uh, exactly. League, league uh, higher up guys, um, all distinguished. Most of them pretty well known names. Some journalists as well, a few journalists, um, and they nominate. They're each allowed to nominate one player every year, and then they vote on whoever gets nominated. Oh, year. so it's just whoever the writer, like each person picks one guy, and that's just who's on the list. They're allowed to nominate one player every year. Wow. So like. And hockey, I feel like out of like when I did the Hall of Fame list myself, 
I noticed that I have a lot more hockey guys that are in the Hall of Fame out of mine than any other sport. Um, I think it's probably because of the international stuff, but they they seem to be a pretty inclusive hall. So the Hockey Hall of Fame is not it's not like the baseball hall of fame where it's like the MLB. Right, it's kinda like hockey, basketball. The hockey uh, hall of fame uh, is international play. It is international. Yeah. Like basketball hall of fame has high school coaches, college coaches, women's players, international players who never step foot on US soil. Yeah, like like the that. NHL, the hockey hall of fame has women in it mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Right. And, and they're they're limited to four men and two women as far as players go every year. Gotcha. Yeah, but I don't know. I just think that's so much easier. No, I agree. I think baseball is stupid with the way they're doing it. It's really old fashioned. So do you think baseball should have a, like a cap of who they should, like instead of having each writer vote for 10, they each like as a group think pick like three guys a year and just put them in. Ah, because that's what all the other sports do. Maybe. I just think that if you're a writer who does something incredibly stupid, you should be stripped of your ballot forever. Yeah. There's no governing body. Well, it did happen once. Dan Levitard sold his vote to Deadspin. He sold it? He sold the vote to Deadspin, gave the money to charity. This was during, like, when all the guys were on the ballot. So Deadspin wanted to buy a vote. This is before Deadspin, like, actually became, like, more well-known. But Levitard sold the vote because he wanted to show what a mockery of the process it was. Uh So he sold the vote, gave the money to charity – Deadspin's vote counted. They had a group. They had uh, the the readers voted in a poll of who they should pick. So in, I'll actually pull up the ballot now. But it actually wasn't a bad ballot by any means. Like there were plenty worse. But I think still, everybody in is either on steroids or in the Hall of Fame now. He, he sold it. That's absurd. But yeah, so he you know did that, and that was it. But I'm trying to find the full ballot now. But it, that actually did happen. That's insane. And Jane Forbes Clark was not happy. <laughs> there, there just needs to be some governing body over the BBWA. I don't know. They got to think of something. It's unacceptable. I just think that if you're an absolute moron, you should just have your yeah. ballot taken away from yeah. you. If you were going to create such an uproar, you know, I, I just, I don't know, dude. Uh, to me, it's it's the uproar thing. If you're going to create an uproar like that, you should be stripped your ballot. I don't care. All right, so here was the voting. Ready? So they could, they picked 10. Greg mm-hmm. Maddox in right. the Hall of Fame. Frank Thomas in the Hall of Fame. Tom Glavin in the Hall of Fame. Mike Piazza in the Hall of Fame. Craig Biggio in the Hall of Fame. Edgar Martinez in the Hall of Fame. Jeff Bagwell in the Hall of Fame. Clemens Bond Schilling. It's a good ballot. Oh my yeah, goodness. That's what Tim Lanes, Mark McGuire, and Don Mattingly, those were the closest that missed. But they did a good job. And that's why I said, like, honestly, I'd be happier with the fans. They left off Messina, McGriff, Larry Walker, but it's a loaded ballot. It like, is a loaded heard ballot. Those names. Like, it's not a bad ballot by any means. That is a loaded ballot. Yeah. Wow. Well, that was Deadspin. The one non. Um, qualified quote-unquote yeah. writer and they put up one of the better ballots you could do that better better ballot than half of their writers how insane is that yep yeah put us in a stacked year we could do better than half the writers i think i think our ballot is better than most writers. oh yeah honestly the ballots this year like i said as a whole are not bad there's just like four or five garbage ones that are like objectively garbage and all the others have been pretty okay like most people are voting for like six or above 
Some are voting steroids, some aren't. Some are voting relievers, some aren't. But that mm. that's normal, you know? Like, I don't have a problem with those. Right. Yeah, I only have a problem with the ones that are voting for some steroid users and not others. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Those are the ones that I, I question. It's like, some guys are okay, but others aren't. I don't know. Plus with G-Jack, like, like, if you're going to vote for A-Rod... You gotta vote for Manny. Oh yeah. If you're gonna vote for Manny. You gotta vote for A. Rod. How do you feel about one or the other? You're an idiot. How do you feel about the guys who vote for Sheffield and Pettit because they didn't get suspended? And <laughs> so, I don't think so. I don't think you should be voting for Pettit in general. Yeah. So I think if you voted for Pettit, you're not smart. JJ, if you voted for Pettit, he's not a Hall of Famer. Though. I take it back. What I said. I love JJ. <laughs> That's not a good pick. I'm sorry. He voted for JJ. He voted for Joe Nathan last year. I actually but, didn't mind that one. I, I don't really mind the vote for Joe Nathan. Um, yes, we know you don't like relievers. It's okay. I was going to say about Sheffield, like, I don't know, dude. <laughs> I just, I wouldn't vote for him anyway. Yeah, he still got caught. Even if everybody was sitting there mocking a swing as a kid. But yeah. You know how many kids mocked a swing as a kid and then they couldn't hit because of it? All of them. That's the one thing I'll give you, though. Like, All of them. The guy who voted, like, Marcus Breton, voted for Beltran and Beltre. He could have easily justified it if he really wanted to. Yeah, but he made himself look like a fool. Right. He probably, honestly, they may be the only two besides maybe Maurer that's top ten in Jaws in their position and clean. I don't know. Maybe Andre Jones, too. All right. He could have found a way to real to actually explain himself. Uh, I wouldn't say I don't think I like Andrew Jones, but I would not call him a top ten center fielder. Yeah, no, no, I'm saying according to just according to Jaws, I think he might be nine. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know about that one. That's irrelevant. Uh. <laughs> He's eleven, and that wraps up the 1918 installment of Championship or Bust. Very sorry for the wait, but we hope it was worth it. Um, Zachy powered through the vid to help us perform this tonight. <laughs> so very appreciative of him being so dedicated. Uh, we will see you soon with a 1919 very jam-packed episode uh, about the Chicago Black Sox. So that'll be very interesting. Uh, until then, we will see you soon. See you. Peace.